Today's show is brought to you by Club W. Don't ever come home to a wine-free house again. Just go to clubw.com slash girlboss for 50% off your first order. That's clubw.com slash girlboss. And by Me Undies. Whether you're wearing a suit or sweats, you spend almost 24 hours a day in your underwear. Make that underwear as comfortable as possible with Me Undies. Get 20% off your first order when you go to MeUndies.com slash girlboss. That's MeUndies.com slash girlboss. And Girlboss Radio is also sponsored by FreshBooks. Are you on your journey to becoming your own girlboss? FreshBooks wants to help you get there. FreshBooks makes creating and sending invoices, organizing your expenses, and tracking your hours the easiest part of your day. Try it free for 30 days at freshbooks.com slash girlboss. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Girl Boss Radio from Panoply. I'm Sophia Amoruso, the founder of NastyGal.com and the author of Girl Boss. On each episode, I invited different women onto the show and traced the steps she took to creating her own future, what she learned, and what we can learn from her story. Today's guest is Sally Krawcheck, the co-founder and CEO of Elevest and former CEO of Wealth Management at Merrill Lynch. But first, Liz Carey's back on the show. She's an actor, comedian, and one of my best friends. You can find her at the Liz Carey on Instagram. We'll be talking about the highs and lows of our week and, of course, our hashtag girlboss moments. Liz. Sophia. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Happy International Women's Day. Everyone, it's a party. Oh, But only if you're a woman. We went to an event last night that was awesome. And super inspirational, and this week's really exciting because Girl Boss hit fifty thousand followers on Instagram. Oh my god! Shout out to Tori Borengasser who's been helping me grow the audience there. Shout She's out! Shout out! An I amazing see some job. Inspirational quotes on there that I like to apply to my day. We had a contest. Oh yeah, um, of Girl Boss moments, and there's someone named Savannah Warnick who works at a company. That is part of Logitech. It's called Ultimate Ears, and they oh, make cool. portable speakers that are waterproof. Oh, like awesome! Bluetooth enabled. And she started there as an intern, and basically her boss was like, "Hey, kid, figure out a college marketing program." And she right. was like, "All right." And she did, and she pitched it to them, and the company adopted it. And so now there's like I don't know forty or fifty schools mm -hmm. that are participating, and. The end of her internship, they were like, "Oh, hey, thanks a lot. Your internship's over." And she was like, "Wait a minute, what's? I made something here, yeah. and I want to build yeah. it. I want to stay here." Yeah, and so she basically had to fight for herself because no one else was like waiting at the end of her internship to like, catch her and be like, "Oh, good job. Here's a big raise and right. a big job. We've been thinking about you every day since you started." You know, which is you know that it would be nice if that were the case, but. Sometimes we have to advocate for ourselves. Yeah, you and do. She did. And so her girl boss moment was amazing. And she came down and we had lunch at Sugarfish. Oh, that's a shocker. Uh, you yeah. Don't seem it's to like love. All I eat is You're going to turn into a hand roll. I am a hand roll. You're a ham roll. You're a handful. Get out of here. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sophie and I realized that we joke like old people from old timey times. Uh-huh. What did we say the other day? What we, a quack. <laughs> what a... I don't dude, even know. I don't even know. It was just like a We're couple of old bags today. talking. Oh, Nasty Galaxy. We released the cover for this <gasps> second book. So I do have to learn to read. Well, there's lots of pretty pictures. But okay. Yeah, you'll have Ooh. to read. And um, you can pre-order 
Nasty Galaxy on Amazon now, which is really exciting. I already, I already did. No, you didn't. I already did. No, you didn't. I already did. Oh my god! Well, if you're listening right now, go pre-order it on Nasty Galaxy on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Also, mm-hmm. had our first meeting with Netflix. <laughs> well, they've been in the writers' room for like a week, but I went in on Friday for them to talk to me and pick my brain about all kinds of things. And it's fun in there, right? They're such cool people. It's a really great group of really funny people. So I'm excited. It's going to gonna get more of... and more fun. Yes. Are you wearing your pajamas? I wore my pajamas today. Wow. With a trench coat like a real perv. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Just notice the you got your jammies on with a trench coat and your sunglasses. This is called I don't want to fit into anything today, so I'm going to wear a slip dress. And slip dresses happen to also be on trend right now, so I'm going to take advantage to of that. To be honest, we debated doing a podcast via FaceTime and then decided we would both like to have a FaceTime day. Because we're old and had like two glasses of, I had two glasses of wine last night. I'm like, yeah, allergic and hungover and sniffly. And oh, yeah, you really are. I'm super sniffly. I'm allergic to histamines, which is something that alcohol and strawberries and certain things trigger in your system. So Mm -hmm. I'm not allergic to alcohol, but wine specifically has histamine triggering like properties yeah maybe lay off the vino babes yeah but i don't like anything else so okay. i'm just laying off period yeah just lay except off. except for club w liz yeah you got a spider bite you smashed your finger you yeah. had a rough week i think what we're learning is i'm accident prone <laughs> yeah you are i'm I love you that locked I, out of your house. Oh my god, I got locked so out of my house. So much happens in the, uh, the course of. I don't even understand the things that will never happen to anyone. Always happen to All me. All of them will happen to you instead. I'm the person that goes to an amusement park and they're like, one out of 999 million people have had an injury on this ride. Guess who's like, oh, my belt's broken. My belt's broken. <laughs> I know that oh. I'll come to my own death off of a Ferris wheel. Oh my gosh. Count yeah. my words. Well, if you don't get on one, it will never happen. We went out last night. Always have the best time in we the bathroom. We to support our friend and fellow Girl Boss Radio guest, Liz Goldwyn. Liz Goldwyn, looking beautiful with braids. Oh my God, so pretty. Went to support a community outreach program that she's part of. And that, mm-hmm. was, that was pretty cool. Really, we supported the bar. Really good food. Yeah, we supported the bar and uh, asking for seconds. Yeah. Yeah. And did you win a, you won a dinner? No, I didn't win. Someone oh, outbid me. It was me. It was a silent auction to support this group. And I was like, hey, I mean, whatever. I'll just buy myself a birthday dinner. She bid on food, guys. <laughs> I bid on food, but then I got outbid. So, I mean, I'm happy to have driven up the price, if nothing more. But she bid I was ready on to pay. foods. Okay, Liz, did you have a girl boss moment or a girl boss lesson this week? My lesson is I hate asking for help i don't do that a lot and um and you get mad when you don't get it <laughs> and i'm like no one's helping me i took a bunch of meetings this week uh, about some work stuff and i don't know why i'm apprehensive to call in not favors but just like reaching out to people is a good idea because half the time they're like oh that's awesome i would love you just picked a booger and i would like to not edit that out of the podcast just smear it under the table like usual but people do like to help you and they're not, I've never once been received with a, oh, I don't want to read that or I don't want to meet you and talk about that. So, oh, my God, am I having a girl boss moment? My moment is it's cool to ask for help. It's important. You don't get what you don't ask for. Yeah. You read that, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> what was yours? My girl boss Challenge. moment is right now when I stop 
drinking for a little while, yeah. I think, honestly. I, I downloaded a sobriety app. I saw that and you sent and it I'm to me. And I'm not like an alcoholic or anything. I just need a little help, yeah, I don't, solidarity. Yeah, I don't need that app. Thank you, though. I, I can go months without drinking, but I just want... I never Lay feel good. I never feel good. So every week, we ask our listeners to tweet and Instagram hashtag girlbossmoment at us and tell us the time in your week where you were the boss of your own life. Yeah. I've been um, getting some really cool we ones. Get, yes. Liz, really do you want to read one? Rachel G. Rass. I want to say this right. Rachel G. Rasmussen at RGR Asmus. I kind of love that. I know I'm saying that wrong. First ballet class in 14 years, and it was like chicken soup for the soul. Best thing I have done for myself in a while. Hashtag girl boss moment. Rachel, ballet is the best thing you really can do for yourself. And I've been trying to get Sophia to go with me, but she has no downtime. I like this one, Katie Dill, at K Dill Design, booked a much-needed beach trip, my first fully-funded non-family vacation, Puerto Rico bound. PR. That's pretty cool. That's a big yeah. deal to, like, take yourself on vacation. I remember the first time we did that. Was yeah, that's fun. I like this girl's name. I like Posse. Posse at Posse Pony. I've been at work by <laughs> six every day this week. Wow. Super tiring, but I love not relying on my parents to pay for everything I need. Get it, that's girl. A big, that's a big transition when that happens. And when your parents don't throw you out on your ass, but you choose to do it, that's like really that's grown up. That's way like a grown big up. girl boss moment. Because my parents would be like, dude, sorry. <laughs> I love Posse Pony. I just had a big memory of myself brushing a, my little pony in my bedroom. But that's an internal thought that became external. Maybe it's Posey? Sophia Amoroso verified account. Is this you sending in your own girl boss moment? Saltines and goldfish crackers for dinner? Yeah, I tweeted this. Great. Congrats, Sophia. That's not a healthy dinner. No, but that was not my girl boss moment. I just like to be funny on Twitter you when I'm lonely. Silly <laughs> belly. See how we talk like old timey? I just went, yes, silly belly. Yep. Kay Tarja says, hashtag girl boss moment when grocery shopping and 90% of what I bought is not processed food. That's pretty good. Yeah, fair pretty enough. good if not normally 90%. Yeah. Yeah. Nicole... At Nicoletta94812, finally admitted to personal trainer that since having a baby, I pee a little every time he gives me jumping exercises. Okay, that's crazy. You no, don't need to Nicole, tell that. that is a real thing. I'm a mom. I had a C-section, and I'm very happy because a lot of my friends that had them come out of the visage, they do a little bit of a pee-pee. Oh, really? Yeah, it's a thing. My farts are, never mind. Sharding. That's what happens Sharp when fart. I do squat jumps and jump rope. Yeah. Ooh, Andrea Parati underscore Andrea says, Uh just submitted my LLC application. Hashtag girl boss moment. So that's cool when your business becomes legit. All right. Too legit to quit. Just like us. Liz, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. You smell. Go girl boss. Oh, my God, Liz. Have you heard of Club W? Probably because we've talked about it before. But <laughs> That is how I heard about it. We keep getting boxes of wine sent to our house. I have to order. Well, they have a subscription. It's amazing. They get to choose the best wines for you. Mm-hmm. I guess it's the world's only personalized wine club. So they assess your tastes and send wines directly to your door. And not only do they send you wine, they send you wine that you'll love drinking. I love that. Yeah, so they have a six-question quiz that figures out your palate so every bottle you receive is perfectly tailored to your tastes. That's kind of amazing. I know, the internet. Club W even (laughs) offers a no-risk guarantee that you'll love what they send you or your money back, except I don't think you can return empty bottles. 
Yeah, and all of yours are empty. We know that. Yeah, it's weird. Um, Right now, Club W is offering my listeners 50% off your first order when you go to clubw.com slash girlboss. Wine should be fun, not pretentious. So start learning as you drink at clubw.com slash girlboss, and you'll even get 50% off your first order. Shut up. It's clubw.com slash girlboss. Okay, Sally Krawcheck is here. I'm very excited. She has been a trailblazer on Wall Street. And just to list off some of her beyond impressive credentials, there's so many. Sally has been the CEO of Smith Barney, Citibank Wealth Management, and Merrill Lynch Wealth Management. She's graced the cover of Fast Company and Fortune, the latter of which famously called her, quote, the last honest analyst back in 2001. She's been on both Fortune and Forbes' list of most powerful women in business multiple times and was on the Times list of global business influentials. Today, she's the co-founder of Elevest, a digital investment platform for women to be launched later this year. I'm so honored to have her on Girl Boss Radio. Sally, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad to be here. So, Sally, you have such an impressive resume. What was your first job? Where did you grow <laughs> up? What was that like? Oh, how long do we you, have? I heard that you grew up super dorky. Yeah, obviously. Uh, can't you tell? <laughs> it's a theme. It's a running theme. I glasses, braces, uh, Dorothy Hamill haircut which was sort of the short, feathered-looking thing. Uh Uh, And the glasses were the kind that made your eyes look big and and googly. And corrective shoes, I was the last girl chosen for every team that was ever chosen, ever. I ate lunch alone. My first job was filing for my father in his law office for 25 cents an hour in a windowless closet. That's (laughs) what we're in right now. There we go. And I actually, do you know, I earned so much doing that and babysitting over the years that when the water heater broke, my parents borrowed money from me to replace it. Oh, my God. In quarters? Well, you know, by that time, I'd had a savings account back when (laughs) accounts actually used to pay interest. And I just kept at it and it grew over time. Cool. Yeah. And so then I went to Wall Street. And you just went straight to Wall Street (laughs) after you went to an amazing college and then you got an MBA. Uh, Did you work throughout college? No, I drank throughout college. Honestly, I think I actually set a world record. I have to tell you, I went to University of North Carolina, got there August 21st. By Thanksgiving, I had gained 35 pounds. I walked through the door. My father said, did you eat Sally? I think she's in there. And my high school boyfriend broke up with me immediately. Immediately. Oh, my God. I know. That's awful. Like, boom, broke up. So anyway, after that, I went to Wall Street because it was, at the time, it was 1987. And Wall Street was it. It was like Silicon Valley is today. I went, and then the crash happened two months later, and my friends started getting fired. And it was different. It was really something. I mean, we talk about these gender issues now and the pay gap. And I'm talking a lot about the gender investing gap. Mm -hmm. At the time, forget it. I mean, there there were very few women on Wall Street. I showed up and I got greeted with a Xerox copy of a male or male's nether regions on my desk every morning when I showed up Yeah, my notes say photocopies of penises on her desk. You know it. It's amazing. You know it. So now we sort of talk about... That's got to be disgusting, Well, you know... I mean, they're gross enough as it is, but on a photocopier, ew. Oh, so I always use the photocopier on a different floor, obviously. Oh, my God. I know. So it was different. I mean, it was really the Wild West back then. I also read... Your boss approached you with a cigar and commented on your outfit. <laughs> my what you're wearing? first week of work, I'm standing by my desk doing the, oh, look, it's my own desk. And I smell <laughs> cigar smoke. 
And there's a gentleman behind me, not a gentleman, a guy behind me, big guy. Seemed super old at the time, but I think he was 34. Overweight, portly gentleman. And he turns to me and he says, what kind of fucking discount maternity wear is that? By the way, it was my height of the University of North Carolina and Charleston, South Carolina style. But uh-huh. that was the environment. And, you know, it was like, oh, it's it's my effing discount maternity wear, sir. Wow. But you didn't quit? No. Uh, quite the opposite. Quite the opposite. At that point, it was, you, you know, you can't get rid of me. I'm not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And after a while. and Spite. It, well, absolutely. <laughs> and, and for your listeners who are in their 20s, I'll tell you. My 20s were a professional wasteland. I mean, I I had these jobs. I did not like them. They were no fun. I was exhausted. And it really wasn't until I was almost 30 that I hit upon the first job I adored, which was equity research. Hmm. What's equity research? I know. I know. You're like those of us who are trying to figure out how to balance our bank accounts. Can you tell us what equity research is? I know. You're going super interesting. Equity (laughs) research. Well, it's finally. I know. I know. As I always like to say, as so many young women, you know, had their dream come true. Equity research. You research companies. You build earnings models. You engage with the companies. You write research reports, and essentially, you pull together all sorts of information, almost as a journalist would but with analysis, and then make recommendations. Should individual investors, should institutional investors buy a stock or sell a stock? Hmm. And I loved it because I, I continued to geek out through my 20s into my 30s. And I, I hate to say it, I really liked building an earnings model. Mm. Uh-huh. And for you eventually to become the CEO of these financial services companies, you can only hope that the people who are CEOs of those companies have done that work. Is that Mm -hmm. always the case? And do you feel like being in the weeds with the numbers the way you were as an analyst was something that helped you once you were at the top? For me, it really did. Now, I ended up being really catapulted into a CEO role. I, I ran Smith Barney because we took really important business risk at the firm I was working in. And that important business risk is that we didn't do Wall Street the way everybody did Wall Street. I was at Sanford Bernstein. I was became director of research. And so we really tried to keep our nose clean. And when Wall Street had, in the early 2000s, the NASDAQ market crash and the research scandal, we were the ones who were standing as having done business the right way. And so I became, I went from running 386 people at Sanford Bernstein, running the research business there on a Tuesday to 35, 40,000 on a Wednesday because we'd done business the right way. So, you know, do all CEOs get, get there that way? Absolutely not. You know, mine was caused by a crisis and by taking the right action going into the crisis. And I want to go back to your 20s just mm-hmm. because I think it's so interesting that it was such a slog mm. and that you didn't enjoy your work. You know, what do you have to say to people who are maybe not patient enough to put up with the kind of things that you put up with? Do you think that was a good thing? Are you glad you did it? Do you think it made you mm-hmm. kind of more well-rounded as a person? Here's what I would say. I I hope nobody has to go to work and find those Xerox copies of of male nether regions or female nether regions on their desk anymore. You know it. (laughs) My southern mother is listening and saying, Sally, Uh stop it, please. Please, honey, y'all. That being said, what I've found, I've worked with and hired a lot of young people in the course of my career, as many as anybody. And uh, what I would say is there's an awfully high correlation between hard work and business success. It's not a perfect correlation, 
but it is really hard to be very successful if you're not working very hard. It just mm-hmm. is. And particularly in this economy where our economy is not growing as quickly as it once did. So, I mean, you think about the growth in the economy, you're essentially standing on a moving escalator. And if it's moving forward at 10 percent, then you're by being average, you're moving forward at 10 percent. Well, it's not. It's moving forward at a low single digit percent. And the business world is changing so fast. I know. You know, so what, you know, in our parents' generation, you know, your dad could do the same job in his 20s, his 30s, his 40s. That's just not the case anymore. Mm-hmm. And so I think, if anything, the the impetus to stay fully engaged and work hard is greater than it was. And look, you know, I know everybody wants to take the vacation right away, but sometimes it behooves you in your career if you want to be successful. If you don't throw all this out, but if you want to have a successful, engaging, fulfilling career, putting your nose to the grindstone can actually work some real wonders. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like it did for you. I worked um, well. You know, it was early on. I tell you, I came out of the University of North Carolina, and I hoped I was smarter than everybody else, and it became quickly apparent I was not. Uh, but I figured I could outwork a whole bunch of people. So you were at Sanford Bernstein during right. the economic downturn. Right. You went from having, did you say 386 people? Yes. To thirty-five to 40,000. Yes. What happened? During the cri- that downturn in crisis, when it became clear that research analysts had conflicts of interest and were not always operating in their research client's best interest, we were the ones who stood out as having gotten rid of those conflicts. So okay. I was in the cover of Fortune magazine, like with a life-size photo of myself, to the point where I would walk through the airport and I could see there was a mole on my chin I thought I'd had removed, but it became clear <laughs> when I saw myself on Fortune in the airport that not it had not shot. been fully removed. Wow. Um, so it was one of those as a last honest analyst, and I was sitting in my office one day, and Sandy Weil, who ran City Group at the time, called me and said, we need our research business turned around. And I said, essentially, Sandy, I- I'm running the best research business on the street. I'm not, I'm not going to come over and do that. And he said, well, would you run Smith Barney, too, which was, you know, has now been merged into other companies, but was this behemoth of a wealth management business. It's the old, we make Mm -hmm. money the old-fashioned way. We earn it. You know, John Houseman. Um, And I said, yeah, Mm -hmm. I'll I'll be over in five minutes. We turned around the research business within the year, and Smith Barney grew. So it worked out from his end and from my end. And I loved it. I loved it. Tell us what wealth management is also, because you've been in wealth management a few times now. Yeah, so wealth management is a pretty broad term. And I, funny, you should say it. I don't like the word wealth. I don't think any of us Anybody thinks of themselves as wealthy. It's a weird, old-fashioned, weird word. But it is what you could say money management or asset management. So it can be through one of the more longstanding traditional businesses. You might have heard the name Morgan Stanley, Smith Barney, Merrill Lynch. I ran Merrill Lynch for a period of time. It can be a Schwab or an E-Trade. It can be one of the digital advisors that are out there now, a Betterment, or soon to be launched in Elevest. And so... It's basically you have money, mm-hmm. you have enough money to invest in something, someone helping you do something. Like Correct, that. exactly. And make more money from it, right? You hope Ideally so. make more money. Mm-hmm. At the very least, keep it in line with inflation, right? <laughs> there you go. That was one of the most fascinating things I learned, I think, when I got enough money to like be like, okay, how do I hang on to this? Do I need a savings mm-hmm. account? And do I need to invest it? And to learn that just putting cash under your bed 
won't work <gasps> is so scary. Not that I did. I never did. I know. But I didn't understand. I guess I didn't understand inflation. I didn't understand that if I don't put my money in the machine where money inflates and makes more money out of itself, right. where that money today, if it was 25 cents you got paid doing stuff for your dad, today that's $12 an hour, $10 an hour, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Thank you. This is what I'm all about right now. Women are falling behind men because there's a gender investing gap. And if you, one of your listeners is making, call it $85,000 a year, saving 20% a year over the and putting it in the bank or putting it in a mattress over the course of her life, that's costing her anywhere from hundreds of thousands to multiple millions of dollars. We've calculated up to two-plus million dollars because mm-hmm. she's keeping it what she views as safe as opposed to investing in the markets, which is can be risky in any given year, but over time tends to have a higher return. So there's undies and then there's me undies. My husband replaced his entire underwear drawer with all the undies and it looks like a sushi bar of mostly black, but rolled up perfect. That I appeals wish, to my I wish my underwear could be organized like that. Maybe with me undies it could be. If I had all the same underwear. Yeah, I could come yeah. over and do that. Every pair of me undies is made from sustainably sourced supermodels, uh, modals, excuse me. Oh yeah, modal. It's like a material that's super duper soft and sustainably harvested. Oh thanks, you would know that. So it's like underwear at a table. And if you don't love your first pair of me undies, they'll return your your undies. Shipping is free in the U.S. and Canada, and you can save up to eight dollars a pair with their me undies subscription plan. And you can take twenty percent off your first order when you go to meundies.com/girlboss. That's meundies.com/girlboss for twenty percent off your first order. Meundies.com slash girlboss. Get it, girl. You hold a world record. I do. I do. I have a world record. Honestly, I hate to brag because I don't want your listeners to feel jealous about this, but (laughs) it's sometimes you just have to brag about it. So I hold a world record. I am the only female that I know of who's been fired on the front page of the Wall Street Journal. Congratulations. Thank you. Really appreciate that. What was that like? Yeah, it was so, it was so bad. <laughs> it was so bad. So let me I'll tell you the two quick stories. The first one was at City. So we we got through that research scandal and crisis. We're up to the subprime crisis, 2007-2008. We had sold products to our individual investor clients that from every everything I can see in the tens and hundreds of hours I've put into it, Nobody was evil, doing anything evil. We sold products that were supposed to be low risk that ended up being high risk. We're supposed to go down, call it eight cents on the dollar in a bad market, went down, call it 99 cents. And I went to my boss, the who was new, and proposed something that was pretty unheard of on Wall Street, which is we should partially reimburse our clients. Not that we did anything wrong, but that we made a big mistake and that the big print had said low risk, and the little print said you could lose everything. And, and we got into a disagreement that lasted over the course of several months. We went back and forth. Eventually, it went to the board. They sided with me. And I knew at the time, I remember saying to my husband, if I push this one step further, the best case is we partially reimburse the clients and I get fired. And the worst case is we don't and I get fired. Mm-hmm. And, I, and so we did, and I got fired. So that was firing number one. Firing number two, about a, 10 months later, I was brought in by Ken Lewis, the CEO of Bank of America, to turn around Merrill, which they had bought in the crisis and had very poor results. 
And he brought me in and he said, Sally, this is going to be tough. I'm going to stay here with you for two years to ensure your safe passage. He announced his retirement less than two months later. Oh, fantastic. I thought, fantastic, fantastic. And, uh, you know, I, loyalty. I know I went to the new boss and said, look, I'm happy to go. You didn't pick me. They said, please stay, turn it around. And, you know, two years later, after it had been turned around, when I was, you know, my business was posting the best business results I ever, ever had. I mean, growing, gaining share, et cetera. They came to me and said, we're reorging you out along with some other folks. So the first one, I sort of felt like I fought a battle, battle well fought, okay. Mm-hmm. The second one, I, you know, I knew I wasn't the boss's favorite. I mean, we didn't joke around or anything. The A student in me had sort of expected that if you're keeping your nose clean, you're delivering results, you can keep your job. And it was a little bit of a, an affront to my worldview. So much more political than that, right? It is. It is. And look, CEOs want people they want in the jobs. And a CEO mm-hmm. is perfectly allowed to say, I don't want you, I want him. You know, it mm-hmm. goes with the territory. Do you yes, feel like you were, you're yeah. under more scrutiny as a woman or have been? You know, I know I'm supposed to, oh, no, blah, blah, blah. Th- there's no doubt. There's no doubt. In fact, I, I said to my crew at Elevest, a few of whom worked on Wall Street, we were talking about women on in business, and I said, you know, ev- everybody in that crew knows that Erin Callen was the CFO of Lehman during the crisis, and she was shellacked. Shellacked, mm-hmm. even though she had come in only like months before. Oh, yep, <laughs> only months before. And so, what you know, how could it have been her fault? This was year, you know, some time in the making. And yeah. uh, everybody, everybody knows her name. Everybody knows her name. And I said to my team, I said, name one male CFO, chief financial officer in the crisis. And they went, because they couldn't. Mm-hmm. So women get because they're different right? Mm-hmm. They get more attention. What I would yeah. say, what I would say is that can be good or bad. I mean, we talked about my being on the cover of Fortune magazine. I don't know. Would I have been on the cover if I was, you know, a 40-year-old dude who was bald, you know? I don't know. There's a lot of them, so probably not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, I think there's something about being different that makes you stand out more, and it's, and it's great, and it can be bad, and oftentimes in the same hour. Yeah. And I just hope there's someday where our stories aren't so outlandish that we're celebrated as much as we have been. And, you know, I'll take it for now. I love it. And mm-hmm. the cover of Fortune magazine is amazing. And I'm on the cover of a book called Girl Boss. And, I love it, too. You know, it was it's great. It was something that just had never existed. But we do have to go out of our way to celebrate one another and kind of prop each other up. And Mm -hmm. I know you said somewhere that when you were publicly fired, even when the board agreed with you, that you felt like you didn't have allies inside the company. Mm -hmm. And I just, I would love to hear a little bit about what you think about women supporting one another and just also just the value of networking. Well, first of all, I'm going to commend you because I think you've been a leader in this. And I think your being visible and vocal and standing up for it. I think these things really matter. And I think all of us need to determine in our own lives at what point we're ready to have what courageous conversation about these topics. And for some folks, if you're your first week in the job, you might not want to do it. But after Mm -hmm. you've built up some political capital, I just say, how are you ready to give back? And what courageous conversation are you willing to have? Are you willing to have the courageous conversation that says, hey, Jim or Nancy, 
In that meeting, you interrupted Susie about 12 times, and you interrupted mm-hmm. Joe not at all. You know, t- let's mm-hmm. let's stop that, shall we? Or, geez, you know, we called Steve ambitious, and that was a compliment, but we called Janie ambitious, and we used it as an excuse to get her an executive coach. You know, at what point are you willing to have those discussions? In corporate mm-hmm. America, historically, women have not been as a rule, as supportive of other women. And that is in part because there's research that indicates when there was only one seat at the table, it didn't behoove a woman to get another woman at the table, obviously. And so that there's historic research that says that women who mm-hmm. promoted other women actually were looked down on it mm-hmm. for it. Whereas guys who promoted women or said good things about women actually had their reputations enhanced. So those of us who were in corporate America today sort of intuitively knew that you didn't, you know, you didn't want to necessarily go there, at least in an overt way. I think what you have done, what Sheryl Sandberg has done, what Mika Brzezinski has done, you know, this zeitgeist right now about women talking about helping other women, telling their own stories, being visible is changing all of this. How important is networking? Networking is the number one unwritten rule of success in business. And if you, you know, who you know is what you know. And if you're not networking, you're dooming your career, your startup, your initiative, whatever it is, to be less successful by good measure than it otherwise could be. Mm -hmm. What do you think for those of us who are introverts, whom networking maybe doesn't come natural to, Mm -hmm. what tips would you give us to network and not feel like a creep walking up to someone because somewhere deep down you know that you're meeting them because maybe they can do something for you or you can do something for or them. Or you can it's do not... something for them. Or yeah. you can do something for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So look, first of all, I think the view we get in our head of networking are usually a bunch of guys on the golf course and then drinking beer. That, that, it doesn't have to be that. Uh, it doesn't have to be it at all. And it doesn't have to be at some weir- you know some event and you feel weird. Um, it can be, you know, you and you and I. So we've met each other once. We've met each other again. You know, now we're connected. And you mm-hmm. know that if you are looking for maybe research on women in business, hey, Sally's got some research on Wall Street. You know what? I'm going to mm-hmm. check with Sally. I may mention to you later, Sophia, I'm looking for a junior person to hire. Oh, I've got somebody for her. Mm -hmm. And our connections from here may not, I don't think ever will be on a golf course, but could very easily and may likely be given our geographic distance, you and me just emailing each other or texting each other. Hey, Mm -hmm. just saw somebody you should know. Hey, you know, I know, Sally, you're raising money for Elevest. How about you talk to so-and-so? And so what I... I do a lot of my networking, frankly, via email. Just saw this piece of research, thought you'd like it. And by the way, one thing I really, really, really want to say to your listeners, I've had any number of young women, any number, tell me they think of networking as cheating and that they want to do it on their own. And they Mm. just need to get over that immediately because the way the world goes around is through relationships and knowledge. Mm -hmm. And you are going to vastly suboptimize your career if, if you take that approach. That's really great. And I agree. And I'm someone who kind of stumbled into networking and have found the value of it only through having let that door kind of swing open. And it's a it's a hard thing because once the door swings open, it can just be like a deluge of introductions and one person gets another and a Mm -hmm. dinner becomes another dinner. And then you have to keep up the relationships (laughs) and so many people. And you're like, how do I do this? Are these really friends? Like, you know, that is I'm still kind of 
figuring out how many people I can possibly Mm -hmm. continue to juggle in my world. But I'm older than you are by maybe six months or so. Uh Mm -hmm. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. We're both 21. There we go. But you'd be surprised people that you will continue to run into who you've sort of lost touch with, but 10 years from now, you'll cross paths again. And so it doesn't have to be this continuous, I'm on a treadmill, but there Mm -hmm. is something about those connections and knowledge. I'm talking to someone this afternoon on the phone who I probably haven't talked to in three or four years, but something came up and the two of us sort of thought about each other and boom, you know, we're talking about a deal. Liz? What? Have you heard of FreshBooks? I have on the show, but I would like to know a little bit more. Okay, well, it's not books that grow from the ground or that you buy in the produce department. Actually, it's a cloud-based accounting software that makes it super easy to send invoices and fly through all the annoying administrative work that none of us have time for, you know, while we're building our empires. Exactly. Last night we were at an event and this girl was giving a speech about launching her company. Somehow after two tequilas, I go, FreshBooks! And and Sophia goes, shut up. (laughs) FreshBooks can even show you whether or not a client has looked at the invoice you've emailed. Yes, so you can basically stalk your money, the money that's owed to you. Yeah, they're like a detective service. Yeah, for your outstanding money. Yeah, they're like... And this month, FreshBooks is offering a free month to all Girl Boss listeners right now, and you don't need a credit card for the trial. To claim your free month, go to freshbooks.com slash girlboss and enter girlboss in the how did you hear about us section. Speaking of deals, you've raised $10 million for Elevest, and I want to ask you, first, I want you to tell us what Elevest is. Yeah, so I am really excited about this. You and I talked a bit before about what I'm calling the gender investing gap. You know, what we can also say is that women are not earning as much over the course of their lives, so therefore not living as full lives as they'd like to because investing has been distant from them, because there have been barriers that have been put up. Because honestly, it's not that we, you know, the personal finance reporters will say we need more handholding or we need, you know, more financial education. We don't. We don't need to contort ourselves to how the investing world is today. The investing world today needs to shift to be about us. And so I've put together a business, done an enormous amount of research about what are women looking for with investing. Now, we're in beta right now. I want all of your listeners to sign up for early access at com because we're continuing to develop the product. But what I will tell you, it's going to be gorgeous. It's going to be as smart a product as I've worked on. The technology is really intense. And it's going to approach investing the way we women do, which isn't always about outperforming the market or alpha or standard deviation or beating the indexes, but it's going to be about what we want to achieve in our lives and how we will go about achieving them. So 10 million bucks. So yeah, how did you shake 10 million bucks out of people? (laughs) You know, it was a little, probably a little different for me than it might be for some of your readers because, you know, I'm not 22 and you know, an engineer and coding and and going out for that first raise. It was through using my network and through using people I've known and approaching people I've known through the course of my career. So I had a relationship with the folks at Morningstar who have recognized this as being a problem and a business opportunity and had not had sort of been working through their thinking on it and decided to invest in us and partner with us 
as one of their customers in order to try to solve it, as well as individuals I worked with in my through the course of my career who were willing to take a bet. Why do you think it is important for women to invest? Is having anywhere from half a million dollars to a couple plus million dollars more, is that important? It is. And so. that's what we're being held back from. I mean, that, so to put that in context, you know, I mentioned if, if it's a young woman making 85K a year, she's got 40 years left to work, if she saves 20% of her salary over that period of time and puts it in the bank, she'll have 1.5 million at the end of it. So that's investing fair. can take her 500K more to 2 million more. It's a mm -hmm. big deal. It's a big it deal. Really and nobody's really talking about it because everybody's talking about the gender pay gap, which completely matters. But the worst advice I'm seeing that's being given to women out there is a little bit subtle. It's, it's around the issue of, yeah, women need to invest, but really the issue is the gender pay gap. And there's almost sort of until we get that fixed, why bother to invest? And I don't think those individuals have really crunched the numbers and look at it. So we all should go get a raise. The one thing we can control is whether we invest now. The one thing that will take time and a lot more change in the world is the the pay gap. Absolutely. So it's like if you have it, you might as well be investing in it. Well, so. you, you need to, or we can't retire or live, you know, buy the home or start the business that we want to. And I think, mm -hmm. you know, what we need to recognize is the power of compounding, that if you start sooner, then the return you earn on the money that you invested last year, you earn a return on that too. Mm -hmm. And then you earn more money, and then you earn a return on that, too. It's like a and then snowball of money. Albert Einstein said it was the eighth wonder of the world. He is reported to have said that. I, I have not confirmed that independently. Do you think you'll ever retire? You seem like the type that would, have, <laughs> that would be, be able to, but be like, no. No. You know, it's funny you say that because after running Merrill and after my second firing, I had more than one friend or friendly acquaintance said to me, why don't you go do the board thing? Why don't you move back to South Carolina? Why, why do you want to do this to yourself? And I, I just think it's the way I'm wired. First of all, I mentioned earlier, it's approaching it with a sense of joy. Now, look, happily, I can do that. I know there are folks out there who have to, who have to take jobs and work in places and are not economically secure. So I recognize that I am very fortunate in my circumstances and that I can really approach it and have a lot of fun with it. Mm -hmm. I just love it. I just do. I love challenging myself. I love scaring the living bejesus out of myself. Uh -huh. I just do. What's it been like to become an entrepreneur? I mean, that's a, such a big shift. It is hard. I've been quoted, and I'll say it again, you know, starting a business, being an entrepreneur is harder than running Merrill Lynch. And I'm the only one on the planet who can say that with absolute certainty, because it is. And that while running big businesses is difficult and challenging, the truth is you can make a lot of mistakes in a big business and you've got all this cash flow and money in the bank and it's okay. With a startup, you I don't have to tell you, you can make a few mistakes, and mm -hmm. but then you're out of money. And so every day you are absolutely fully, fully alive. So that has been terrific. And then you know, it's just the terrifying, I didn't wake up at 4.30 in the morning until I became an entrepreneur, and now wow. I do. The way I've mitigated it is that I am very clear with myself about what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. And I have very carefully and in an egoless fashion hired people who are very different from me so mm -hmm. that, you know, I'm not figuring it out all by myself all the time. I have a co-founder 
who is a, a fintech startup guy. And so we really take different roles in the company. He's a great partner to me. And without it, we just wouldn't be as successful as we, I hope we're going to be. Cool. And fintech is financial technology? Financial technology. Thank you. Cool. Sorry about that. Yep. <laughs> no, no, no. This is not Bloomberg. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and when you do wake up at 4.30, what do you do? I uh, get up. I have a cup of coffee. And my cat firmly plants herself on my lap. And it's, I don't know about you, I get all my thinking done two times during the day. The first is that time, 4.30 in the morning, and I just, as soon as I get the cup of coffee, I just start writing and writing and writing. Mm. And whatever I'm thinking, I wake up with about 12 ideas, I just put them down. And the other time is at night after my obligatory glass of wine that I drink by myself. And mm -hmm. I think what it is, is I think those are the two times a day when my defenses are completely down. And so I actually yeah. can think creatively. I mean, I can't build a Excel spreadsheet then, but my best ideas come beginning of day and end of day. You've built a career on taking risks with other people's money, mm -hmm. but you've also taken a lot of risks in your own career and have taken a huge one going out becoming an entrepreneur. What advice do you have for taking smart risks in your life? Investing is one of them. We never talk about this one as a risk mitigator. But think about it. If you're making those extra returns over the course of your life, that gives you a pillow that if mm -hmm. the risk doesn't work out, you've got something you can fall back onto. If your boss is a jerk, you know, you can't walk out of the office if you don't have money in the bank in order to support yourself. So investing sort of, you know, goes into all of this as well. And then being careful to constantly reassess things. This isn't a one-shot decision. It's a every day, how is the environment changing and how are we thinking about this? How can we change our strategy or change the way we approach the market as the market changes? And really staying sort of loose about it and not getting pedantic, which a lot of people do. Last question, and I ask this of all of our guests. What was your girl boss moment of the week? And a girl boss moment can be anything yep. from I drew myself a bath and took 30 minutes, I had my nightly glass of wine, or, or I got a promotion, or I started yep. a business, or whatever it is. The moment that made you feel like you're taking care of yourself and you're the boss of your own life. What was your girl boss moment of well, the week? Well, I'll tell you my girl boss moment of this week is today. Blythe Masters, who has been on Wall Street as I have for some number of years, invited me to join her board, startup board. Don't worry about definitions here, but it's a company called Digital Asset Holdings, and it is really a kick-ass company that is looking to change how business is done on Wall Street. And she invited me to join it. And my girl boss moment is partnering with her through being on her board to help mm -hmm. change Wall Street. I'm just so happy because she is such a talent and a compelling individual. And any way that I can help her in achieving that vision, just I just felt like just so awesome about it. Yeah. So you're not retiring and joining boards. You're starting a company and joining boards. Uh, you know it. But Sally only, you know, it's <laughs> no, but only only ones that really matter. Only ones yeah. that really matter. And this one yeah. did. And I think she's fantastic. And I that's like what really she's cool. doing. So that's, yeah. And being here with you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sally. This has been really fun. It's been fun. Thank you.
Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Girl Boss Radio. And don't forget to go to Amazon.com and pre-order my second book, Nasty Galaxy. Our producer is Sharon Morris. Thanks also to Kristen Meisner, Laura Mayer, and Andy Bowers at Panoply. And if you haven't read Girl Boss, do it now. You can buy it at NastyGal.com, Amazon, or anywhere books are sold. Please let us know what you think of the show. You'll find us on Twitter and Instagram at Girl Boss. Our email address is info at GirlBoss.com. And you can find me at Sophia Amoruso S-O-P-H-I-A-A-M-O-R-U-S-O on Twitter and Instagram. For exclusive content from today's show, please go to blog.nastygal.com. And if you like the show, please tell a friend and subscribe to us in iTunes, the Spotify app, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to leave us a rating or comment wherever you subscribe. Thank you also to the Van Phases for our theme song and to my husband, Joel Jarek-DeGraff, for our interstitial jam. I'm Sophia Amoruso. See you next time.